Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It's an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and the number one pick in the 2010 NBA draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. The Volume. It's Hoops Tonight presented by FanDuel. The NBA season is kicking into gear and there's no better place to get in on the action than with FanDuel. The app is safe and secure. Getting your money out is super easy. You can jump into the action at any time during the game with live betting. And I love building those same game parlays. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio, so use promo code JasonT and download the FanDuel app today to start making every moment more. 21 plus in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit FanDuel.com RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, Virginia, and Ohio. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 in Arizona. Call one 888 789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. Call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. Call 1-877-770-STOP in LA. Visit www.mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Dial one 877 Hope and Y or text Hope and Y to 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming or visit www.1800gambler.net in West Virginia. All right, welcome to Hoops Tonight, presented by FanDuel here at The Volume. Happy Thursday, everybody. Hope you guys are having a great week. I'm really excited for this show. We are going to be ranking all 30 NBA teams, not individually by number, but by tiers. I'm sorting them into tiers based on where they're at in their current development slash path towards an NBA championship. I have the top tier contenders. Those are the teams that 
obviously have the best chance to win the championship this year. Then I have the fatal flaw contenders, teams that I do believe are contending for a championship, but have a significant flaw that I expect to get them beat. Then we're going to have the if they make the right trade contenders. These are teams that are not good enough yet, but if they address specific needs, they have a chance. Then we're going to get into the lack of self-awareness tier. These are the teams that think that they have a chance to win a championship, but definitely do not. Then we have the interesting and scrappy tier. These are the teams that definitely don't think they're going to win a championship, but are playing really good basketball and are fun to watch on any given night. And then lastly, we'll have the actively and intentionally terrible tier. So we are going to be working on all 30 NBA teams today. It's going to be a fun one. We're going to be going pretty fast, though. You guys know the drill. Before we get started, subscribe to the Volumes YouTube channel so you don't miss any more of our videos. Follow me on Twitter at underscore JasonLT so you guys don't miss any show announcements. And then last but not least, if for whatever reason you guys miss one of these videos and you can't get over to YouTube to finish, you can find them wherever you get your podcasts under hoops tonight. All right, let's talk some basketball. So these are the top tier contenders. Now, again, nobody is perfect. There is no 2017 Warriors or 2001 Lakers in this mix, but all four of these teams are a clear cut above the rest and should feel confident in their championship odds this particular season. This is going to be the Boston Celtics, the Brooklyn Nets, the Milwaukee Bucks, in the Golden State Warriors. Now, to be clear, as I'm going through these tiers, the tiers are the ranking. The individual teams within the tiers are not in order. So I just have them in a list, but the tiers are where they are ranked. For instance, I have the Celtics first in this first tier. I wouldn't actually have them as the best championship contender. I'd probably rank them Golden State, then Milwaukee, then Boston, then Brooklyn. But I'm going to work. I'm just going to keep them in tiers because I think it's more interesting that way. So starting with the Boston Celtics, I think that the humiliation from last year's NBA Finals flameout has helped a lot. Jason Tatum has clearly spent a ton of time in the offseason working on his handle. Uh, he's had He has his lowest turnovers per 36 minutes since 2020. Then obviously they added Malcolm Brogdon. So the general growing up and improvement of the roster plus the influx of Malcolm Brogdon seems to have addressed their ball handling concerns. They are the fourth best team in the league right now at taking care of the basketball at just 13.4 turnovers per 100 possessions. But then we had that Golden State game or that Denver Nuggets game where just time and time again we've seen at the biggest stages and a little bit of those high stakes environments, they kind of lose their identity a bit. They're sloppy on defense in a way you wouldn't expect them to be. Like for instance, last year, Great transition defense all year. Horrible transition defense in the playoffs. When the stakes get heavy, they just lose their identity a little bit. And so the real question is, can they keep their focus this year through four rounds of the playoffs and not lose that identity? They have to beat their own demons. The biggest enemy of the Boston Celtics is the Boston Celtics. I think they actually have the most talented team in the NBA. Second team, the Brooklyn Nets. They are top five in offense, top 10 in defense. I think Kevin Durant is the MVP of the league if the season ended today. Kyrie Irving is having an excellent season. And then a lot of their important offseason moves have panned out. That Royce O'Neal trade that they made for that first-round pick from the Jazz, that was a home-run trade. TJ Warren has fit in really nicely with his bit of ball handling and shooting. And then Yuta Watanabe getting him um, uh, this summer. uh, Previously, he was with the Raptors. That him just providing another big long wing that can knock down threes at a high rate and play a little bit, a bit of defense that is giving them a really functional 
basketball team. Now, my two main concerns with the Brooklyn Nets are they rely heavily on pull-up shooting, and we saw what happened last year against Boston when those pull-up jump shots stopped going in, how suddenly their offense loses a great deal of effectiveness. So that would be one of my concerns. The second concern is their lack of physicality. They are a great defensive team, but they are very thin. And so there are specific matchups, teams uh, specifically that have a great deal of strength on the perimeter, teams like Boston, that I think are a really bad matchup for Brooklyn that could get them into some trouble. That top of the East is very matchup dependent. Like, I really like Brooklyn's chances of beating Milwaukee, but I really like Milwaukee's chances of beating Boston, but I really like Boston's chances of beating Brooklyn. So it's kind of matchups could be a big indicator of how things go out East this year, but they are top three. The Brooklyn Nets are top three in both half court offense and half court defense. They are built for these slow down NBA playoff games. They can execute in the half court. So they are definitely a top tier contender in my opinion. All right, the Milwaukee Bucks. They really have done a masterful job this year of floating things despite really bad injury luck with Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday. Biggest issue with them is their spot-up shooting. They're the 19th best team in the league at converting spot-up opportunities at just one point per possession. But we're starting to see some encouraging stuff. As I expected, Joe Ingles has been a perfect fit there. Not just attacking closeouts and doing stuff in spot-up situations, but also um, his ability to make reads on ball so they can run some actions with him as a second-side creator. Uh, Chris Middleton getting healthy and getting a good stretch of basketball games where he gets his rhythm will go a long way towards remedying those spot-up issues as well. And, you know, just in general, I think I can't shake the feeling that the NBA world as a whole is kind of writing off Giannis right now. He's having kind of an iffy season from a shooting perspective and from a metric perspective. Uh, the the Bucks are flying under the radar right now. And we've seen, even without Joe Ingles' support, even without Chris Middleton's support, we've seen how hard it is to beat Giannis in that group of guys in a playoff series, even for a team as good as the Boston Celtics, even with all those personnel limitations. Because Giannis Antetokounmpo in a seven-game series is going to put his damn head down and run you over time and time again for every bit of those seven games to try to get to the rim. And if you're not prepared to hold up to that, you'll lose. And even if you do hold up to that, it's going to be difficult. And if you throw in some real spot-up shooting with Chris Middleton and, and Joe Ingles, that fortification there on the wing could make them really difficult to beat. I still think they're a top-tier contender. And then lastly, the Golden State Warriors. I just think that – I think the Warriors are dealing with a really, really, really bad case of championship malaise. Yes, they have some roster issues. I think they could use a backup center. I think they could use another wing off the bench. But – I think the vast majority of their issues come down to inconsistent effort. They just put up a defensive rating of 118.3 against the Orlando Magic, who are a bottom 10 offense, the Detroit Pistons, who are a bottom 5 offense, and the Phoenix Suns, who literally can't score without Devin Booker on the floor. They're just not playing hard enough right now. So I do think that eventually they'll snap into gear now that Steph's back. I think the veterans are going to get on everybody's case and snap into focus. I expect them to have a 20-game stretch at some point over the course of the next couple of months where they rip off, you know, 17-3 and or 16-4. and And when they do that, all of their issues in the standings will go away and they'll kind of recapture that identity. I also expect them to finish with a top-10 defense when it's all said and done because I think that'll be the driving force of their turnaround. And make no mistake, once again, like we were talking about with Giannis, if you want to beat the Warriors in a playoff series, which is something you'll probably have to do if you want to get out of the Western Conference – you are going to have to beat Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Andrew Wiggins, Draymond Green, and Kevon Looney 
four times out of seven games. Yes, their bench has some issues. Yes, they've had inconsistent defensive effort in the regular season, but you know damn well, because we just saw it against the Celtics last year, and you just saw it against the Mavericks last year, when they are in those settings, they just execute on both ends of the floor at a higher level than anyone else in the league right now. And they're not going to care about them sucking on the road during February when they get to that point. They are the one team in this entire field that has earned the benefit of the doubt as it as it pertains to uh, trying to figure out what their ultimate ceiling is. We know what it looks like. We know what these players are capable of. They just have the worst case of championship malaise that I can remember seeing, which makes some sense. They, this is a late-term championship. This was a championship at the end of most of these guys' careers. So it's a little bit harder for them to get the engine started. I do eventually think they'll get the engine started. We are welcoming a new show to iHeart and the DraftKings YouTube channel. It is called Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano. It is an insider's look at the NBA and the culture surrounding the league. Every week, the five-time All-Star and number one pick in the 2010 NBA Draft, John Wall will give his unique perspective on the hottest topics in the league and tell the best behind-the-scenes stories from his time in the NBA. CJ will bring his A-list comedian buddies to keep it light and fire off some hoops takes. Plus, John will be inviting current and former NBA players, friends, and teammates to join the show as well to give their unfiltered accounts of what really goes on in the league from a player's perspective. So check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, the DraftKings YouTube channel, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. As of right now, to be clear, I still have the Golden State Warriors winning the championship. All right, moving on to the next tier. This is the fatal flaw contenders. These are teams that legitimately have good reason to believe that they can win a championship. And they should feel confident in their locker room. Uh, but... I expect these teams to get beat because of significant flaws that are historically proven throughout NBA history to get teams beat in the playoffs. Starting with Denver, they have the best offense in the league, or more accurately, they're tied for the best offense in the league at 117.1 points per 100 possessions, which is just what I expected before the season. I told you guys I expected Denver to be the number one offense, but I said that didn't matter if they didn't get enough stops defensively. There is a historic precedent in the NBA in this millennium you do not win a championship unless you have a top 10 defense the only two exceptions are the Shaq Kobe Lakers and the KD Steph Warriors in 2018 who by the way were the 11th best defense in the league so we have two examples where that wasn't true one they were 11th and they had two of the top three players in the world and the other one, they had the two best players in the world in Kevin Dur or in uh, a Kobe and Shaq. That's not a, a luxury that the Nuggets have. 
Functionally, when you get to the playoffs, teams target your weaknesses. That's just a fact. Strategically, over seven games, when you have that much time to scout and you're running, you know, over the course of a series, five, six, seven hundred offensive possessions, you're targeting the defensive weaknesses every single time that you can. Now, Denver has loaded up on some solid defenders, really like the Bruce Brown acquisition. I thought flipping Will Barton for KCP was really smart. I said that before the season. I think he's a perfect fit with Jokic, and he has been. Aaron Gordon's having a great defensive season, but their best lineups, Denver's best lineups, feature three players that will relentlessly be attacked in a playoff series. Nikola Jokic, through spamming pick and roll with players that will force him to come up to the level of the screen and try to drive about around him, or just attacking him in switches when they have opportunities. Jamal Murray attacking in switches, and Michael Porter Jr. They will get attacked. And NBA history tells us they will lose as a result. They've been a bottom 10 defense this year. When they play against the top 10 offenses in the league, they are 20th in defensive rating according to Cleaning the Glass. I expect them in a playoff series to be put in a predicament where their best players are attacked, and I think it will result in in them losing. Like Shaq and Kobe, like KD and Steph, you only win a championship with a bad defense if you have an otherworldly talent advantage. And the Nuggets do not. And so that's the biggest thing standing in their way. Memphis Grizzlies, they cannot score in the half court. They are a great team. They're tied for the second best record in the league. They're probably the most physically imposing team in the league. They're damn good on the glass. They have the number one defense in the league, but they lack total offensive skill and ball handling and shooting in most of their lineups. John Morant is the only guy who can consistently create shots for himself and his teammates at an extremely high level. So as a result, they have the seventh worst half court offense in the entire league. When they get into the playoffs, teams will find a way to trap them in the half court. And when that happens, I expect them to struggle to score, which I think will get them beat. Um, The only real chance they have is if Desmond Bain comes back and some of that off the dribble stuff he flashed. Now he is back, but Uh, gets back to what he was earlier in the season, which is a really high-level dribble creator. And if that translates to the playoffs, it might improve them um, in those half-court situations. But right now, to this point in the season, through half the season, they've been a really bad half-court offense. That's going to be an issue when they get to the late rounds of the playoffs. Next, the Cleveland Cavaliers. Again, lots of reasons to be excited. Second-best defense in the league. Seventh-best record in the league. The Donovan Mitchell trade was an absolute home run. But... Their best lineup features two small guards in Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, both of which are bad defensive players. Despite the fact that the Cavs as a team have a great defense, again, when we get into the postseason, we see these things get attacked. The best example I can give you guys is the Utah Jazz. The Utah Jazz functionally in the regular season a couple years ago um, had an excellent defense. I think they were third in defensive rating uh, two years ago. But then what happened? or it might have been last year. It was either last year or the year before. I can't remember exactly. But they had the third best defense in the regular season. I think it was last year against the Mavs. Um, But when they get into the postseason, it turns out that all those small guards that they have can get attacked. And so what ended up happening? They got attacked. All of a sudden, Rudy Gobert isn't just hanging out by the paint, blocking shots. Instead, he's covering ground in rotation and being dragged away from the rim. And teams are either getting high-quality three-point shots or rim attempts when Rudy gets pulled away from the rim. Next thing you know, their defense falls apart. I want to say that the uh, the Jazz had like a 130 defensive rating um, 
uh, in that playoff run after being the third best defense in the league to start the year. There's a difference between, you know, what you can functional, like kind of like do uh, what kind of defense you can put out as a facsimile of defense in the regular season versus what actually works in the playoffs. You, it's kind of the difference between defensive versatility and, you know, a defensive base concept. You know what I mean? Like in the playoffs, you need to have defensive versatility. You need to be able to go to different defensive coverages. And, you know, when you have two small guards like Darius Garland and Donovan Mitchell, when you get into the postseason, I don't care how good defensively they were in the regular season, teams will find a way to attack those guys. And the big guy that I've seen them get attacked, seen get attacked most frequently in these late game situations in particular has been Darius Garland because he's so incredibly small. And, you know, where you're seeing it is in those clutch situations. Cavs are second in defense, but they are 17th in defense in clutch situations. And it's because clutch situations mimic playoff basketball. It's a lot more matchup attacking. And that's where those small guards end up presenting problems. As I've been preaching all year, I expect that eventually the Cavs will have to consider flipping Darius Garland for a wing so that they can get away from that specific fatal flaw. Next is the Philadelphia 76ers. They are fourth in defense, sixth best record in the league. I think they have the most talented top four in the league between James Harden, Joel Embiid, Tyrese Maxey, and Tobias Harris. And Joel Embiid and James Harden both look fantastic this year, but Joel Embiid and James Harden have a history of not playing well in the NBA playoffs. Joel Embiid, his perimeter jump shot consistently falls apart in the playoffs. And as we've seen, that has become a huge part of his game. So if that happens again, that's going to be problematic. And then James Harden, we don't have to get into his playoff resume, but just consistently, like probably the most consistent example of playoff decline in NBA history from a superstar player. So again, if they do play at that same level, if MB does continue to knock down his perimeter shot in the playoffs, if James Harden does continue to play at this level in the playoffs, I think the Sixers have a damn good chance to win. But the best indicator of future performance is past performance. And what we've seen in the past is that those two guys experience a significant decline when they get into the playoffs. Then the last two teams I have in this team, uh, tier are the LA Clippers and the New Orleans Pelicans. Again, two teams that I absolutely have think have chances to win the championship, but health is their biggest concern. Kawhi, Paul George, Zion Williamson, Brandon Ingram just can't stay on the floor and stay healthy. Makes it really difficult to evaluate them. Makes it really difficult for that team to build any continuity. They're going to have to play a certain way when they get in the postseason that they're not going to have enough reps from the regular season to lean on. That, to me, um, takes them off of real championship contention and puts puts them more on the fringes. All right, the next tier is the if they make the right trade contenders. Again, these are teams that have incredible star talent, but monster roster deficiencies that need to be addressed at the deadline to give them any chance to compete for a championship. The first team I have in this tier is the Dallas Mavericks. They have everything you need except for that third dribble creator. I think Luka is more than good enough to be the best player on a championship team. Their defense has been bad as of late, but you got to look at the personnel. Maxi Kleba uh, being hurt, that's one of their best backline defenders. You know, uh, Josh Green has been a very important defensive player this year. Dorian Finney-Smith is literally their best defensive wing. When those guys come back, I expect their defense to stabilize. Um, but they need to address that backup creation role. I'd be looking to flip Christian Wood at the deadline for a creator because I don't really like Christian Wood's game, and I don't think he's a guy that you can really rely on in a playoff setting. Um, you can go super aggressive and pair him with like Tim Hardaway Jr. and some draft picks and try to go after Zach Levine. That'd be an interesting piece, but you better be convinced that he can be your secondary star. Otherwise, you're tied up to him for a long time. 
Um, or you could just flip Christian Wood straight up for you know someone like Jordan Clarkson uh, from the Utah Jazz to try to give yourself some backup um, ball handling. You could either go with a heavily protected first-round pick if you think that's what he's worth or try to go for something like two second-round picks. Another guy I'd be looking at is Terry Rozier from the, New Orleans, or from the uh, Charlotte Hornets. If you can get him in there in that third creation role alongside Luca and Spencer Dinwiddie, I think you have a better chance. No matter what, just somebody that can help them run coherent offense when Luca is off the floor and lower Luca's usage. Right now, this season, the Dallas Mavericks score 121 points per 100 possessions when Luca is on the floor and just 106 when he's off the floor. It's a significant drop off offensively when he's off. They can address that. That's their big need at the deadline. Next, the Los Angeles Lakers. They have everything they need except for competency with wing size. They've got all the star power in the world. LeBron and Anthony Davis, I think, are definitively top 10 players in the league. Uh, The Ringer just released their NBA rankings the other day, and they have LeBron and AD both as top 10 players in the league. I sent out a poll the other day just seeing what the – pulse was of the fan uh the all of the uh, basketball fans that follow me and over 90 percent of the people who voted in the poll said that they believed LeBron and AD were both top 10 players so there you go you're checked in the star department their guard core is actually really solid Dennis Schroeder has been one of the best veteran minimum signings in the league this year Austin Reeves is an excellent backcourt piece Lonnie Walker has had a very good season for the Lakers Kendrick Nunn is even starting to play better after a nightmare start to the season and then Russell Westbrook I mean it's a a complicated and polarizing topic but as a bench guard he's not the worst option in the world I think I think as long as the Lakers don't ever play him in a closing lineup it's fine to keep him around Um, you guys know how I feel about Russ. I'm not going to get into it any further. And then when you look at the front court, they're actually really solid between LeBron James, Anthony Davis, Thomas Bryant has uh, shown that he could be an excellent backup center for that group. And then Wenyan Gabriel flies around and just does stuff with his length and athleticism. But at the forward position on the wing, they're incredibly thin. The only two forwards they really have are Troy Brown Jr., who's really undersized and does better guarding guards than he does guarding wings. And Juan Toscano-Anderson, who can guard opposing wings, but he really can't shoot. So he hurts you on the offensive end of the floor. So they desperately need somebody in that 6'7 to 6'9 range, preferably two guys that can shoot the ball competently on the offensive end of the floor and that can play defense on the perimeter, particularly against bigger wings. If If I was running the Lakers, I'd go after both Kyle Kuzma and Boyan Bogdanovich. Both are reportedly valued for right around a first-round pick. The Lakers have two first-round picks that are both extremely highly valued around the league because of the incompetence of Jeannie Buss and Rob Palinka. Now, matching salaries would be a little bit challenging. Kyle Kuzma makes $13 million, so you could go straight across with a guy like uh, Patrick Beverly for Kyle Kuzma. But if you wanted to get Boyan Bogdanovich, you might have to get a little bit more creative. You might have to loop in a third team to get some cap space to help absorb salary. But I think that they should go after both because if you put that backcourt with that front court with LeBron James and Anthony Davis and Kyle Kuzma and Boyan Bogdanovich on the wing, that to me is a contender that is just below that top tier. And if LeBron James and Anthony Davis play to the level they're capable of, then they're absolutely top tier contenders. And I, I have to keep reminding everybody because people don't understand, but the Lakers have been damn good at pretty much ever since they beat the Brooklyn Nets back on November 13th or whatever it is. They've been one of the top 10 teams in the league. So whatever your impression is of the Lakers, it's probably been poisoned by a 2-10 start to the season when Dennis Schroeder wasn't available, Thomas Bryant wasn't available, LeBron was playing like crap, and Anthony Davis wasn't making any jump shots. So it's a different team now than what they were to begin the season, and we got to adjust 
our expectations there. But even if they couldn't get both of those guys, just one, if they could just flip Patrick Beverly in a lightly protected first for Kyle Kuzma, that would monumentally improve their opportunity to win this season. They have the eighth best record in the league over the last 30 games, despite LeBron and Anthony Davis missing significant stretches there. If you get both of those guys back on the floor and you fortify that wing position, you have a championship contender, end of story. Um, next, Miami Heat. They have a ton to get excited about. They're 10-5 and five over the last 15 games, just one and a half games back of the sixth seed to get out of the play-in. Bam Adebayo has gone up a level, particularly as a scorer, uh, but they're still way too thin on the front line. They definitely need to look uh, to try to get a big, strong forward. Kind of a different archetype. The Lakers are more in the market for a skilled forward. I'm For the Heat, I'm more concerned with a physical forward. So I'd be looking at guys like OG Ananobi on the aggressive end and guys like Jay Crowder on the less aggressive end, but a big, strong forward that can help fortify their interior presence. Okay, so we're moving on to the next tier. From this point forward through the rest of the show, it's going to be much more rapid fire. Obviously, these are lower level teams, so I'm not going to spend as much time talking about them. This is the lack of self-awareness tier. Every single one of these teams is trapped in mediocrity and unwilling to admit it. They probably have some sort of you know, misperception that they have an opportunity to win this year when they actually don't. And they have severe, you know, severe, severe flaws that would need to be dressed before they could ever even hope to contend. Uh, first, the Chicago Bulls. Their stars do not compete physically, especially on the defensive end of the floor. Secondly, the Atlanta Hawks. They have major locker room issues. Their energy seems off half the time I watch them. Feels like any moment now Nate McMillan could resign. There's just a major chemistry issue in that locker room. Next, the Portland Trailblazers. They have the sixth worst record in the league over the last 26 games. Dropped another game at home last night to the Orlando Magic. Next, the Minnesota Timberwolves. Their best players can't play together. Anthony Edwards' lineups are way better when uh, D'Angelo Russell is off the floor. All of their one-center lineups are positive. So if it's just Nas Reed, positive. Just Carl Towns, positive. Just Rudy Gobert, positive. But any combination of the two of them is negative, which goes right back to one of the fundamental team-building things that I always talk about on this show. Don't build your team around two centers on the floor at the same time. You need to be able to um, compete in the up-and-down nature of the modern NBA. Uh, I think Anthony Edwards and Rudy Gobert make an interesting core, but I think they need to reconfigure the rest, probably resulting in them moving Carl Towns and D'Angelo Russell. Um, next is the Phoenix Suns. They lost two years in a row in uh, deep playoff runs because their stars couldn't compete with the likes of Giannis or Luka Doncic. Well, now CP3 is worse than ever, and Devin Booker is having health issues. So that fundamental flaw that they have is only worse now than it's ever been. Plus, they've lost a lot of depth on the wing with the Cam Johnson injury and the Jay Crowder trade request. They're just a worse version of a team that was already fatally flawed. Next is the New York Knicks. Uh, kind of a similar predicament to the Phoenix Suns. They have lots of talent. Mitchell Robinson's really good. Quentin Grimes is really good. R.J. Barrett's really good. They defend at a high level, but you're not beating any of those top teams in the Eastern Conference if Jalen Brunson and Julius Randle are making all your offensive decisions for you. Next is the Sacramento Kings. They don't play any defense, and as a result, they can't beat any good teams. They're just 8-10 and 10 against teams that are 500 or better. Um, next, the Washington Wizards. Everyone on the team is overslotted. Bradley Beal, I really like if he's the second best player on your team, but on the Wizards, he's the best player on the team. I really like Kyle Kuzma if he's the third or fourth best player on your team, but he's the second best player on your team. And so as a result, everyone's kind of uh, uh, playing you know, above their pay grade, and as a result, they can't win games. And then lastly, the Toronto Raptors. They just don't have nearly enough ball handling and shooting. 
And so as a result, they can't score in the half court and they can only win if it's a track meet, which just is never going to happen when you get into the playoffs. All right, moving on to the interesting and scrappy tier. These are teams that are further along in their development than the tanking teams and have multiple good NBA players that are young and exciting, but they aren't close to, uh, to being good enough to like push their chips in to try to go after contention. And there's no misconception in the front office where they think they're contending right now when they're not. Um, the front offices for these teams probably know that they're going to lose in some early playoff round, but they look at it as valuable experience and part of that process towards getting to the next level. The three teams that I have in this tier are the Indiana Pacers, the Utah Jazz, and the Oklahoma City Thunder. I just did a deep dive on the Oklahoma City Thunder yesterday. You can find that there. I'm not going to talk any more about them today. Uh, the Utah Jazz, it's basically a team made up of trade filler from the Rudy Gobert and the Donovan Mitchell trades. And this season is basically a tryout for the front office to decide which one of these pieces they want to hold on to for the future and which one of these pieces they want to ship off for um, for resources over the trade deadline. But they're young, talented, exciting. Laurie Markkinen looks like a franchise cornerstone piece. Um, really excited to see what Danny Ainge does with that group over the next decade. Or half decade, I should say. And lastly, the Indiana Pacers. Um, it makes sense for them to wait. They're, uh, I think they're all in trade would be for a wing right now. They're way too heavy on guards and miles Turner love would love to see them get a legitimate wing in there that can take wing defensive assignments and give them a little bit more of a rim pressuring element, but they have such an exciting young backcourt that they can't even afford to trade some of them for assets. Um, they're definitely a really exciting young team. Tyrese Halliburton and his past first culture has transformed that backcourt. All right. Lastly, the actively and intentionally terrible tier. These are teams that basically serve one purpose, giving young players low pressure reps so that they can evaluate and see what they project to be as NBA players. They're bad and they know they're bad and they're playing the long game. First is the Houston Rockets. They desperately need a veteran ball handler to get in there and teach their young guards game management. This is an important detail of uh, being a ball handler that I think goes underrated, especially in young players. You know, I talk a lot about the important skills of beating coverages in the NBA, right? Like you've got to have a certain amount of ball handling, off the dribble shooting, finishing at the rim and making reads, right? But it's not just as simple as that. There is a, that's what you do on a single possession, but over the course of a game, let's say, let, to make the math easy, let's say there's a hundred possessions in an NBA game. Well, in addition to those 100 possessions, let's say that I am on the floor for a 32 minute shift out of the 48 so that's like roughly 70 possessions and then you know I'm sharing those possessions with my teammates so like maybe I've got 40 initiation possessions if I'm Jalen Green right um in those 40 possessions it's important for me to feel the value of all 40 of them versus the value of any one particular of them so there is a time and a place for specific types of shots like higher difficulty shots are better reserved for when you've built your rhythm and you're feeling very confident and you feel very good about that shot when you're rising up to take it whereas like early in the game when you're building your rhythm it's better to make reads to try to get your teammates going so they feel confident throughout the game or to seek out and hunt out easy shots so you can build your rhythm to be able to make the tougher ones at the end of the game but no matter what there is a feel of the game especially as it pertains to the scoreboard down eight up eight close game you're on a run they're on a run whatever it is those ebbs and flows of the game and many in many ways are are controlled by the ball handlers and their ability to slow the game down when the other team's on a run to really execute and get a good shot for instance right or 
the transition pull up three, when you're on a run, you're feeling confident and you feel an opportunity to take to snatch the other team's heart. That's maybe an opportunity to be more aggressive. But that feel is something that Kevin Porter Jr. and uh, Jalen Green really struggle with. And so getting in a, a a legit veteran ball handler, kind of a similar thing to what we were talking about earlier with Oklahoma City, or I should say yesterday with Oklahoma City. Like I'd love to see them target a Kyle Lowry or a Chris Paul or something in the late end of their career just to bring in, not to do anything specific for them on their team, but do what like Rajon Rondo did for the Atlanta Hawks, which is like, just go in there and be a mentor to some of these young players and help them feel the game out. Um, the Detroit Pistons, Charlotte Hornets, and San Antonio Spurs, no specific thoughts there, but they're also in this tier. And then the last team in this tier is the Orlando Magic. And my one note there is I expect them to jump into that interesting and scrappy tier next season because of the level of talent they have on the wing and just how good their young players are in the sense that they're too good to continue to lose basketball games. And they're becoming a very difficult team to beat on any given night. They've been over 500 for the past like month or so. They just won last night in Portland. So I expect them to move up to that next tier. All right, that was fun. All 30 teams. How about that? Um, you guys know the drill. I'm going to be uh, taking uh, – uh, I have one other video this week. It's going to be – Five burning questions for next season. I believe that one airs on Saturday. So keep an eye on the feeds there. As always, I appreciate your support and I will see you guys next time. The volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like at your pregame barbecue. While you prep your meats, that grease trap you forgot to empty is prepping to smoke your porch, garage, and the car inside. And without the right home and auto insurance coverage, the cost to repair this could eat up your savings. So bundle home and auto with Allstate to save and get protected from mayhem like this. Bundled savings variant are not available in every state. Coverage is subject to policy terms and conditions. Tired of restless nights? At Lisa, we know good sleep is essential for mental, physical, and emotional health. From memory foam mattresses to hybrids that keep you cool all night long, Lisa's mattresses offer exceptional comfort and support with free delivery and 100 nights to try out your mattress in the comfort of your home. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com slash iHeart for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. Exclusions apply. See lisa.com for more details. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yeah, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human in customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.